0: And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there still Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amuel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and, your, you, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba Saul's servant and said to him, "All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson, and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat." But Mephibosheth. Your master's grandson shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servant. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet
1: let's pray Uh, father we have come to you in praise and confession of sin we have been reminded of our forgiveness and you tell us to bring all our requests before you so we do so now father we we first just pray for the needs of our body god we pray for all those in our in our membership who are sick god so many have been just caught uh, under the weather uh, seasons of sickness god we pray that you would restore health to our our families especially our young children God, uh, that they can continue to be part in uh, fellowship and gather with us in person. We pray that you give strength uh, to weary parents as they shepherd and care for their children. Uh, Father, we pray that you would give us fruit in all the conversations we had around around our tables over Christmas. We pray that, that uh, opportunities will be had in the days even ahead, Lord. We'll be able to share gospel with our family members who do not yet know you. God, we pray your kindness would be there. Uh, Father, we also just pray for our own hearts. Lord, many of us are tired this morning after a long week of of rest. Lord, we pray that you would sharpen our minds and our hearts now, that you would not allow us to to lose and forsake this hour where we get a chance to hear your precious word. So God, we pray that you would ready us to hear you. Father, we also just thank you so much that the gospel goes forth in other lands. We pray for the country of England this morning and um, specifically uh, Pastor... Michael Gilbert Smith and uh, Jonathan Worsley, as they bring the word this morning, we pray that they would uh, be strengthened and encouraged uh, in their preaching, Father, that they would see fruit and evidence in, in the changed lives of the people of God there. We pray that you would continue to, to make that, take that nation which is drifting more and more secular and bind it back uh, to the cross. Uh, Father, we pray for our own nation. God, we pray specifically for our Supreme Court. We pray that as our Supreme Court uh, judges, we pray that they would always understand that they themselves would answer to you, the the judge of the living and the dead. Father, we pray for the gospel to go forth in our own uh, community. We thank you so much that we get to partner with uh, other churches. We pray for uh, Pastor uh, Andrew Morrow as he's preaching this morning at Midwood Baptist Church. We pray that as he preaches the gospel there, that the people of God will be enriched and encouraged. We also pray for Parkwood Church in Gastonia and Pastor Jeff Long. We pray as he announces the word of God that that church would be built up more and more into the likeness of Christ. And Father, now as we um, have the great privilege to hear your word, uh, we pray that you would fill uh, Pastor Grant with your spirit. As he announces the word of God, we pray that it would fall on fertile soil uh, to our hearts. God, we pray that you would allow him to decrease, that you would uh, increase, God. God, we pray that you would use his, his study and his preparation and his zeal for uh, brokenhearted people, God, to bring your gospel to bear in our lives. We pray that we, Lord, uh, would understand uh, our salvation, that we would understand the gift that you have given us to eat at your table. So, Father, we pray that you would do much more than we could possibly ask or imagine this hour. Build up your church, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, it is an absolute blessing to be with you guys this morning uh, and to be able to uh, speak on God's behalf. Um, And as we heard... The story here and song and then in the scriptures let's let's look and go back through Samuel and see how we got to where we are right now in the text and so uh, Samuel you've got it broken up into two books first Samuel and second Samuel well the only reason that that is broken up is because the scroll was actually too long to be the same book so there's no specific reasoning why these are broken up except for the longevity of them. Uh, they are named after the main prophet, who uh, is Samuel, uh, who is throughout 1 Samuel, uh, but ends up dying. Um, but as we see in history, um, the Israelites were always different than every other nation. They did not have a king. But then they decided that they wanted a a king, even though Samuel tried to warn them against this. And so from there, that's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And then they raise up Saul. He, re, he re grants the request that they desire to have a king. And he raises up Samuel. And this is how Samuel is described in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Saul is chosen to be king. Saul is wealthy, handsome, and a head taller than everyone else. And so we have this nice physical appearance. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And he is anointed king in the next chapter. And so then he's king for about two years. And he starts to turn away from the Lord. He honors a sacrifice that was not supposed to be him. He doesn't follow the commandments of the Lord when he's told to go in and destroy a nation. And he leaves their their king to come and brings back their livestock. And so he is being disobedient. And so Samuel goes to him and says, look Saul, this kingdom has been snatched away from you. And this is where King David busts on the scene. And we meet King David, and we find out that King David is going to come from the tribe of Jesse. And all the sons come in, and he's left out in the field as the little shepherd boy. And Samuel's like, there must be someone in here that is going to be king. And he says, no, no, Samuel. He says, I don't want you to look at the exterior of a man. But I want you to look at his heart. He says, he is not in here. He says, do you have a son, Jesse? Jesse says, I have one more son, my youngest. And he is out in the field keeping the flock. He said, we will not sit down until you bring him to me. And so they stand and they wait for David. And David comes in and they anoint him king. But there is a long time period in between here before he actually sits on his throne. He is anointed to be king. And after 16, we move into 17 where everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Where he goes and destroys this giant for disrespecting God's people. And then he starts to build a relationship with a young man named Jonathan. And Jonathan was Saul's son. And so turn with me over to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18. And the Word of God says, As soon as he is finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. And his armor and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Because we know that if you are the king, who is supposed to be king next? The son, Jonathan. And so he gives this right up. And then Saul and David head out into battle, and they defeat them, and as they're coming back in, the people are chanting, Saul slays thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul's heart turns from David. And for the next thirteen chapters, he basically pursues David to try to kill him because he was jealous. Of him, because he had seen that the Lord's anointed was upon him. And actually, a part that I left off is this when David was anointed king, the Spirit of God actually left Saul and came to David. And Saul was actually tormented by an evil spirit constantly. And so David would go in and actually play the lyre for him. And so, he was threatened by David's power. And so, as David, the righteous man that he was, a man after God's own heart, he would not, no matter if Saul continued to seek him out, to destroy him, he would not lay a hand on him because he was the Lord's anointed. But then at the beginning of 2 Samuel, Saul is in battle and is wounded and then tries to get a guy to come and kill him. But he ends up falling on his own sword and killing himself and his three sons, which includes Jonathan. And then we have David to be anointed king of Judah and then a few chapters over After Abner is now part of David's army and no longer serves King Saul, he now is the king of Israel. And then David continues to widen his borders. He brings the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem. And then he is sitting there probably just kind of playing back in his mind all the things that the Lord has done. And he remembers Jonathan. And this is where we pick up in the story in chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Samuel. And we're going to break this up into three sections. And the first section is, And David said... Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David and, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, "Is there still not is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him?" Ziba said to the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan, he is crippled in his feet." The king said to him, "Where is he?" And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And so as we think of this, and our first point for today is the kind inquiry. Understand that this was at the top of David's power and reign in Israel. And he is inquiring of a vow and a covenant that he had made with Jonathan long, long ago. We're thinking that this time period is probably about 40 years by now. Okay? And so, it may be longer. I'm not sure. I couldn't really find any actual numbers on this. Uh, but 40 years just to have kids and generations, so uh, that's kind of my guess. Um, but as we look at this and we see uh, this Mephibosheth, let's go back over to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and we learn a little bit more about, Sam, uh, about Mephibosheth. And this is when Saul and Jonathan actually die in battle. And this gets back to their household. And so this is kind of the franticness that happens whenever their family dies. And it says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled, and she fell in her haste. He fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. And so this crippleness was ensued because of fear. And his nurse is leaving, and he's five years old and falls out of her arms and breaks both his feet. And so as we see this crippled young man, for God, for for David to inquire of this young man is just such kindness. And guys, we see here in verse 3, It says, is there someone, still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? There is a lot difference between my kindness and God's kindness, right? Like, my kindness is, I'll open the door for you. I might let you in front of me in line. Right? But God's kindness is what we're going to see next as God goes through and continues to take care of this worthless man of Mephibosheth. Let's go on. Read with me in verse 5. Then David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog? such as i and our second point is the kind reception the kind reception and it made me think back especially being in the christmas season whenever the angels would go and encounter mary and joseph or anyone they would say do not fear And so as Mephibosheth is brought into the king's court, having to be carried, he says, first thing, fear not. Do not fear. What a kind reception that he receives from King David. Remember, in this passage, this is what he has just said. Here is the king who is valuable and important. Here is a dead dog, the lowest of low, who is carrying around guilt from his family. He is poor and lame and just feels broken and worthless. And if you don't feel valued... Do you think that the people around you, are you going to think that the people around you think you are valued? By no means. By no means. And that is what he is sifting all of this through, this filter. And so this kind reception that he is given by David is such a beautiful thing. And he not only stops With, because that should be enough, right? But God's kindness, it's not enough to just say, Do not be afraid. But he goes in and he says, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table. And can you imagine that? He is overwhelmed by this. Can you imagine? This is a grown man. We see at the end of the passage, he has his own son, Micah. This is a grown man from five years old. Can you imagine being a burden to someone constantly. Never being able to do anything for yourself. And I kind of got a little glimpse of this at Christmas time. My uncle on Amber's side of the family, he is 70 years old and he had a stroke and he was living in Alaska and he is in a wheelchair for the last 13 years. And so, I talked to him, and I actually got the privilege of taking him back to a nursing home that he's having to live in because he can't take care of himself. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he says, I am a grown man, and I can't take care of myself. I can't do anything for myself. I can't go to the bathroom by myself. I can't shower by myself. I can't get in the car by myself. I can't get my own food myself. I wonder if Mephibosheth even remembers when he could run and play outside. Think of that brokenness, guys. Think of the vantage point that we see Mephibosheth in this story. Lo, Debar, where he's from, that's translated basically nothing veal. Nothing good comes from there. Do you think he felt honored? Do you see why he was trembling in fear? Can you see why in the world would somebody show me kindness? Why? But in God's kindness, David continues to reiterate, this is from the Lord and this is from your father. I know you were orphaned at five years old. And even I forgot about you all these years and the covenant that I had made with your dad, Jonathan. But no more. Mephibosheth, you will be at my table for the rest of your life. And let's move into the next point. The next point is the kind provision. The kind provision. Read with me in verse 9. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belongs to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson, and you and your son's And your servant shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson shall have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commanded his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the kings. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servant. So Mephibosheth... Lived in Jerusalem for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. And so the provision here, the servant Ziba, do you see the family that she has? Think of the burden. Have you ever been given something by a family member or inherited something and you just really don't know what to do with it? And so it just kind of sits in the corner and collects dust. But if your mind worked that way, you could possibly utilize it. You could, right... I think I was talking to somebody about a sewing machine. Jack, I was talking to Jack about a sewing machine. And like, you put a sewing machine if Amber's not in there. You put a sewing machine in my house. Do I know what to do with it? It doesn't matter if it's beautiful and it comes up. I don't know what to do with it. So in giving it to me, it's not a blessing to me. So with Mephibosheth, who has been given all of this land, and this produce is going to be coming in... Guess what? He can't do it himself. He doesn't know how to. And so God in his kindness, in his provision, has Ziba to have 15 sons and 20 servants to go and handle the estate and to finally take care of Micah the way that he needs to be taken care of. What? What? A kind God. Dad's in the room. We feel like trash if we don't feel like we're taking care of our family well, don't we? We do. Think of this provision that God has granted Mephibosheth through David to take care of him. Forever and to always have his provisions taken care of. And the beautiful thing that, want, that I love, one of the most things about this story, is that the last line of it is Mephibosheth is still crippled in both feet, he's still crippled. And we need to look at our circumstances and to allow God to work through them, not to just beg and plead for him to remove them, but to say, God, work through these circumstances. Don't remove them. Strengthen me. Refine me. Through them. But then, as we have heard this beautiful message of God's kindness, let's turn over to Titus chapter 3 to finish up. And it's been our scripture reading, so I won't be on it too long. But I'm going to focus on verses 3 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness And loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Think of this in the context of what we have just looked at. What a beautiful reception that we have been given on behalf of Christ. That though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Filthy, vile, wretched, but God came and sent his son to live a perfect and sinless life. And to die on the cross, but not to stay dead and be raised from the grave so that we might become the righteousness of God. And think of that provision that He is giving us when He pours out that Spirit on us and makes it as our deposit. To know that we are a child of the king and heirs to the throne. And are able to come and sit at his table. And guys, think of that. On Christmas Eve service, we were able to have communion together and pull up to the table together. And what does it always say? Doing this in remembrance of me. Not anything that I did. Not anything that Mephibosheth did. But that God in His kindness. And I pray that we would leave this place praising God for His loving kindness and calling us to himself to spend eternity with him forevermore. Pray with me. Father, you are so gracious and so kind and so loving. It is overwhelming how good you are. Lord, I pray that your word today shines light on that. That you are a good, loving, and kind God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And you have given us provisions that will conquer the grave and this world. Thank you for sitting down and having the work to be complete. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Uh, This next song is is a great hymn of the faith and really is an invitation uh, to all of us uh, to come to the Lord's table. Uh, because the Lord has made a way through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins to say, come to my table. As we sing this next song, I pray that you would rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ has invited you to his table. Please stand and sing, There is a Fountain, hymn 142.